Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Hey, and welcome to First Forward, advanced spiritual scriptural insight for grunts and anyone who does ministry with grunts. Uh, those of you listening uh, have know that the Sunday readings I reflect on and I just kind of get straight to it. Um, I don't go through all the readings. There's uh, sometimes four or even five different passages or pericopes that you might choose from. Um, and so it, it would just take too long. Um, I also don't do prayers on Sundays because I assume your church, your congregation, your flock uh, has their own set of prayers. Um, this is more about understanding the martial undertones uh, that are present in Scripture in the Sunday readings. So for the third Sunday after Epiphany, we are in ordinary time in our readings for year B, the, the year of Mark, um, come to us from Jonah 3, verses 1 through 5 and 10, Psalm 62, verses 5 through 12, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 29 to 31, and finally the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. The reading from Jonah uh, is unfortunately split up. Uh, verses 1 through 5 have um, Jonah going out to the city, and then 6 through 9, which are omitted from the lectionary texts, uh, are omitted, but it's basically what the king and the people do in response. Um, and likewise, or not likewise, um, our other major reading from the Gospel of Mark um, also has something similar there, and I'm going to be talking about the prophetic kind of invisible string between Jonah and Mark. Um, and you might not have caught it uh, if you aren't into biblical languages like Greek and Hebrew, um, but Jonah uh, essentially is, is told by God to go to Nineveh, which is the capital city of the Assyrians who will or who have, depending on when Jonah was written or when you think Jonah was written, uh, who have destroyed the northern tribes and have uh, continued to be a threat even to the southern tribe, the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, and so he's saying, go to your enemy, go to the most dangerous place you can think of, the capital city of your more powerful enemy, and tell them uh, or say to them for me, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And so Nineveh, which is thought to be the city of Mosul, um, and many of uh, post-9-11 vets have probably been stationed there or have passed through there. I spent some time at Camp Diamondback uh, twice in my rotation in 2004. Um, and back in the day, it was, very, it was an interesting fob for an operating base. Um, and so these ancient texts have something to say to us as well, and they touch us even in our own modern context. And so Jonah, as a prophet, is known uh, as someone who is a very reluctant person. He runs away from God, is swallowed up by the fish, and is eventually kind of taken there, and he has to finally do it. And uh, the verse that's that was left in, verse 10, um, it is a, a, I'll say a slight repeat of, the, of verses 6 through 9. Uh, but 6 through 9, there are just a couple of verses. I'll go ahead and read them. Um, the word reached the king of Nineveh, so the 
the emperor, the, the ruler of Assyria. And he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he goes on, verse 7, uh, makes a decree and tells all of the aristocrats, everybody, um, do the same. Don't, don't drink uh, water or eat food. We're going to have a fast um, and, be, and cover yourself in sackcloth. And everyone, in verse 8, turn from his evil way and from the violence that, in his, that is in his hands. And uh, it, it goes on. The king is still speaking in verse 9. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So you could think of the king of Assyria or the king of Nineveh um, as, you know, just being really practical. Like, oh, shit, there's a foreign god and this guy thinks we're going to perish. I don't want to perish, so let's do what he says. Let's clothe ourselves in sackcloth. You know, straight pragmatism, right? It's not about pride. You know, if you have nothing to lose and all you have to do to avert destruction is to walk around a little uncomfortable sackcloth and dry ashes and, you know, you won't be destroyed, let's do it. The The cost is makes, uh, you know, the, the benefit of doing it makes the cost um, worthwhile. Um, it doesn't have to be about humility. It doesn't have to be about strategy or arrogance or, or uh, domestic interests. And he doesn't address everybody. He addresses his royal court. Um, in the ESV, he addresses uh, by decreeing, decree of the king and his nobles. Um, and so the, the economics are kind of, kind of skewy, right? But I read those verses, or I kind of focused on them, because in verses 8 and 9, uh, are an important kind of like uh, allusion to verse 10. And in verse 10, we do hear in the lectionary, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now, in the I, I heard that, and I thought, interesting. They're undoing or they're turning around from something, and that made me think of the definition of metanoia, which is what Mark uh, brings into it. In, um, I believe, John's, in the mouth of John, um, I'm sorry, no, John has already preached his baptism of repentance. Now Jesus is taking up John's mantle in Galilee um, after John is arrested, and Jesus begins to proclaim the good news of God, according to John, which is, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. Repent is metanoia. And there's that turning of like circling around or doubling back or undoing that caught my little, you know, caught my ear. And sure enough, I looked up Jonah in the Greek, in the Septuagint, and verses uh, 9 um, and verse 10, um, turn from his evil way in verse 8, Jonah 3.8, doesn't have metanoia. It's uh, apostrophe, I think, uh, which is like apostrophe. And that's the turning. But when the ESV uses the word relent, that is metanoeo, which is the root verb or the root, uh, or, you know, it's cognate with metanoia. Um, it is, it's just uh, uh, parsed differently. Anyway, um, so this relent appears again in verse 10. Uh, God saw what the Ninevites did, how they turned from their evil way, apostrophe. God relented metanoeo, of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. 
And so this metanoia, this repenting or relenting, is the through line between Jonah and Mark. And John and Jesus are both prophets in any kind of way you can define it, and Jonah obviously is. Um, And it's important to see where these things happen in the Old Testament and what they do. In Jonah, God relented. The king of Assyria, of Nineveh, expected or hoped that God would relent or repent. So the idea, when we put like, you know, when we use words like repent, I hear that often as a veteran, uh, as a Christian veteran, because I'm supposed to repent of the bad stuff I did in Iraq. And I can count on one hand how many of those things I think were actually bad and needed. I, I did repent of. But the vast majority of my service is boring or um, exemplary, like I think we did some good things. So as a veteran, I'm very familiar with this idea of repenting, and it's tied almost one-to-one to sin, as though some sin has been committed that then has to be forgiven or absolved or you need to, like, stop sinning. But that isn't, that isn't exactly the way the Septuagint and therefore John and Jesus understood the t- this term metanoeo or metanoia. And it would have, John and Jesus would have spe- been speaking Aramaic, but they would have had the Greek Septuagint. We don't know of any Aramaic uh, copies, and we don't even have any Hebrew copies of uh, the Hebrew scriptures as old as we do the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Hebrew scriptures. So when I say that um, they had the Greek Septuagint, or they this is the idea they had in mind. By you know they certainly spoke Aramaic. They would have been familiar with Greek to be having any kind of con- real conversation about the Bible. They didn't have to be fluent in it, um, but it would have been one of the the most uh, central kind of uh, copies, for lack of a better word. Um, and so I, I say that to name that repenting is not necessarily something that's done wrong, right? It's not that the Ninevites were supposed to metanoeo. It's that God was expected to metanoeo um, if something else was done first. And so the I think the word relent is a little bit more helpful because of the kind of baggage that evangelical Christianity has put on repentance um, and especially, again, in the, the military kind of main mind frame, like, you know, we don't have to be Catholic to be, to be expected to, like, feel guilt about everything we've done. Sometimes it's evangelical Christianity that does that. Um, but I, I like the word relent better because it, it doesn't have to be some moral event that is being turned from, right? Um, you know, the, the Ninevites don't, there's no suggestion in the text that the Ninevites thought God was doing something wrong. Um, it's just, oh, I hope, who knows, I think is what the text says. I'm not looking at it right now. Maybe God will do this thing, or maybe this their God will relent from this thing that is planned or anticipated. And so it's more something to do with changing your plans or changing your habits than it is like stopping from doing something evil. Um, when John and Jesus come, part of the prophetic nature of their task is they're saying, look, everything you know is changed. You need to change with it. You need to relent in your old ways. You need to understand the world as God made it is changing 
and maybe the world isn't like relenting, but like if you persist in your ways, that is the opposite of relenting. Don't persist in your ways. The the kingdom of God is near. Uh, the you know uh, forty days proverbially are here. If we're thinking of Jonah, um, things are going to change. You need to stop doing what you're doing. You need to not persist any longer in what you've been doing because something around you has changed. And if you don't change with it, or if you don't see the change that's coming, as Nineveh, the king of Nineveh did, you're going to be overthrown. You're going to be torn down, or you're going to miss heaven, or whatever uh, you know, metaphor is most helpful. Um, and so um, not only is that the through line, as I said, I think it's important to critically examine what we do when we expect people to repent with a P. Um, and I think uh, relenting is a better word here, as the Old Testament used. But, you know, A, don't think that every soldier has killed, as I said in God is a Grunt, um, because we haven't. Um, and also lay off the assumption that we need to repent in the military because it's so much more than just the worst parts of what service entails. So tone down the repentance and maybe even think of the, this word, metanoia, um, in a slightly different way. It does mean a turning. It does mean a turning around, uh, but we need to be careful what we moralize, whether uh, what we moralize is our words or what we moralize is our soldiers and veterans. We need to just quit it. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Or, if you serve military families, subscribe to First Forward, a paid subscription feed providing commentary on Sunday lectionary texts a week in advance. Use it for sermon prep or just because you support the troops. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instruction will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in an episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off of air. So there you have it three ways to participate in first formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I haven't convinced you to fall in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.